because it's very important not to make this a mistake when you hire your first person. Don't hire somebody that is you. Hire somebody. Yeah. Hire somebody that has the strengths that you don't have. Hey, babe, welcome to the Sales and Social Podcast. I'm so freaking excited that you are here with me today. Are you ready to simplify your sales and learn to sell in a way that feels good, but also brings you in more consistent cash? If you find yourself feeling like you're doing all the things on social media, but it's not converting, you feel like you have inconsistent cash months, but you desire more reoccurring revenue, and you just want to sell in a way that feels good without feeling salesy and also have a lot of fun on your journey to entrepreneurship, you are in the right place. Hey, I'm Jillian. I'm your sales queen and your soon-to-be podcast BFF. 22 years in the corporate sales space, losing my job during the pandemic, having no freaking idea what I was going to do, but knowing that I had a God-given talent for sales, I quickly shifted to the online space, where I have not only been able to grow my own personal business from zero to 500K in just 18 months with nothing more than a Zoom link, a paper planner, and a whiteboard, I've helped hundreds and hundreds of others scale their businesses and explode their sales. So grab your beverage of choice, a pen and a paper if you're anything like me, And let's dive into today's juicy episode. What's up, babes? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited because I have Lauren here today, and we're going to talk about teams, operations, mindset, growth, scaling, all of the things. But before we dive in, I'm actually going to have Lauren intro herself. And she said she doesn't always like introing herself. So Lauren, let's hear it. Uh, Well, first, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Like I said, I can talk about this stuff for so long. I'm really passionate about it. So my name is Lauren Goldstein. I'm the CEO and founder of Golden Key Partnership, which is, I'm very grateful to be an award-winning global business that focuses on helping business owners get out from underneath their businesses with the right teams and operations. I'm also lovingly called the biz doctor by my clients. I got nicknamed that years and years ago. I've had this business for 12 years. So I've been the biz doctor for a lot of years, because my superpower is actually helping you diagnose what's keeping you stuck in your business and also preventing sustainable scaling. And I also have a podcast called The Biz Doctor. So that's me. I love it. Well, that was an incredible introduction. I absolutely Thank love you. it. And there's actually so many ways that I actually want to take this. One, you've been an entrepreneur for 12 years. So mm-hmm. the majority of my entrepreneurs that listen to my show are probably between that one to five year mark. So they're mm-hmm. like, really getting into it, really kind of like in that struggle bus phase, like I want to do this. I don't want to do this. What would you say in 12 years of entrepreneurship has got you to where you're at today? Oh man, such a juicy question. I think it comes down to two, maybe three things. The first thing is, well, I want to say this. If you're in the first one to five years, I'm just not going to sugarcoat it. It really sucks. And most days you're like, what the heck am I doing? I gave up X, Y, Z. And now I feel like I'm working harder and it's not working. And you just like, you're comparing your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. Mm -hmm. So know this, we've all been there. It does suck. It will get better. (laughs) Keep going. I love that you said that. Thank (laughs) you for being so honest and so real, because I think that if anyone gets anything out of this podcast episode, they could literally shut it off right now. I mean, please please keep listening, but like, that's all you needed to hear right now. Yeah. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I think I'm going to answer this from what I wish I'd done differently. 
Yeah, please. Would have helped me get farther faster. Mm -hmm. The first thing is I would have asked for support sooner and actually gotten it because there was a big mindset shift that I had to have around investing versus spending. And so I I had to go from how much is this going to cost me to how much is this going to make me? Mm -hmm. And so getting a business advisor or a therapist or joining a networking group or a mentorship group or something, because it is so lonely. Like that, I think is something that they don't tell you about being an entrepreneur is that it can be really lonely and isolating. Cause if you're not surrounded by other entrepreneurs, your friends might not get it. You like have this echo chamber of like an itty bitty shitty committee telling you like, this isn't going to work or like, this is hard or you're unworthy, whatever. So get support sooner. And then the second thing, which I kind of alluded to in the, I guess the third thing in the first part about keep going is just have the grit and grace necessary to adjust. Cause I will tell you the business that I have today, while has remnants of the business I had 12 years ago, it is not the same business. And had I like white knuckle gripped to this, like it has to be this way or look this way. Like, I don't think it would have worked. Like I had to have a little bit of grit, like stick to itness, but also grace to say, okay, this isn't working. Why is it not working? Is it like my audience? Am I mile wide and an inch deep? Am I confusing people? Like, I, I just, I have this funny story that is related, but the reason, (laughs) the reason I say grace and flexibility is you are the person that controls the narrative of your business. And if you're not clear on what you offer, nobody can buy from you. And I remember, gosh, this was probably six years ago, maybe more, maybe seven years ago when I'd first moved to Austin and I went to this event, which was so fun called internet marketing party. But somewhere in there, I don't know if it was the way I was explaining it or how I got introduced to some people, but then there was this rumor running around Austin that I owned a marketing firm. I don't do marketing. (laughs) I do operations and team and like really like the, I think very sexy back end of the business, not front end. So I kept getting all these referrals and leads and I'm like, guys, I'm like, what happened? And that was the light bulb moment where I, I really realized that I was not clearly articulating what the heck I did because I was trying so hard to like be something to everyone instead of realizing that no, really my skill set is, is for a certain subset of, of people. And if other people outside that want find me and want to work with me, great, but I got to focus and be a laser instead of a flashlight. Yeah, that is such a good thing because I think so often, especially entrepreneurs who are listening to this podcast, it's like they they move really quick because something's not selling. It's like, oh, I can do this. I could be a health coach. I could be a mindset coach. And then it's like you are, people don't really know what to refer you for. And then you are getting DMs. It's like, are you a marketing coach? Are you a mindset coach? Are you a sales coach? Are you a communication coach? What really are you? And then you aren't really even clear of what it is that you are. So I love that you shared that. So because you are the business doctor and there are so many leaks and gaps in people's businesses, what are some of the biggest gaps and leaks that you see are preventing people from scaling and growing their businesses? Mm. So and I'm sure it's different at every income level. It is. It's different. Um, but I would say, actually, it's very related to what you just said about bouncing around. So if you've 
heard of me before, maybe followed me or heard my podcast, I say, your business should get more simple, not more complicated as you grow. So good. And so what I see being a leak or a pitfall is um, actually this, this noise that you start listening to where you're like, oh, maybe we should do this. And I, I say this because I suffer from this. My business coach actually put me on a, on a diet where I was not allowed to go like, look at other people, what they were doing. Like, she's like, Same. your offers are I don't are follow solid. anybody else's content. Right. Same. She's like, your offers are solid. Your clients love you. You've been doing this for 12 years. Stop trying to add things that you don't need. So and, good. And so that's one of the gaps that I see a lot is like, you have what I call business barnacles. So a lot of times the businesses that I work with, um, they're established businesses, they're profitable, they're seven figure businesses, they've got teams, but they've got these barnacles from when you were scrappy and started. And so if you don't clear those way away and you don't simplify them, then it's really hard to scale. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between growing and scaling, which we can go into yeah, later. I know but that's the first thing is, is really not being, I don't want to say ruthless. That's not the right word, but you do have to get really clear with yourself about what you want. Cause there's a lot of different ways to get there, but if you don't clearly know what you want and the value you offer, then it's really hard to sustainably scale. Mm-hmm. The second thing, probably the biggest hurdle that I encounter with my clients is this mindset shift from operator to owner. Mm -hmm. So nobody really tells you that. I mean, maybe this crosses your mind. I don't know. It didn't cross my mind until I was, I was there, but nobody says like, Oh, think about the business you want in 10 years. Like what's the team you want? How many hours are you going to work? Like, you're just like, Oh, I have this great skill and it solves this problem. I'm I'm just going to roll with it right now. You're not really forward thinking. Right. And then our value gets so wrapped into what we're doing that suddenly we're stuck in the weeds, not because we don't necessarily want to be in the weeds, but because we feel we have to be in the weeds. Because if we're not doing all of these things, then we're not generating value. Then we're like, who are we? And there's this like whole existential crisis that I support my clients with in that gap between operator and owner and detaching your time for money connection and helping you recognize that your value is not about, you know, just having this constant, like I have to do all the things. So I would say that that's probably one of the things that I see happen most is, is the lack of clarity, which is why clarity is the first of our seven C's of a high performing team. But then the other part is just really having that switch in mindset to understand that your value is way bigger than just doing the day-to-day things for your clients. So good. I actually just talked about this yesterday. And so I have two masterminds. I have a mastermind that's like zero to six figures and then six figures and above. And we talked about this in my higher level mastermind yesterday. It's like, they're so addicted to the hustle. They're so addicted to the grind. And I actually bought them all a copy of the book, Buy Back Your Time, which I'm sure you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you guys, it's it's really the the, what you just said, the difference between the operator and the owner. And I was like, there's so many things that you don't need to be doing. 
There's so many things that somebody else could be doing, but I feel like just what you said, they feel like their value is in that. They feel like their value is in doing this task because their value is attached to that. But it's like your value could be doing so much other things as a different component in your business. Totally. Or thinking that this is the other fun part that only you can do it. Or if somebody else does it, they're not going to do it as good as you, which might be true, but they might do it better. Yes. That's what's fun. They might do it better. One of the things that Dan Martell says in that book is, I think he says like, even someone doing it 80% as good as you is better than you doing it a hundred percent because you're getting back your time. Mm -hmm. You know, I even say that like, it takes me forever to write an email. Like I am not a copywriter. So if it takes me an hour to write an email, I'd rather have someone write it that's 70% as good. And I get that hour back of my life. Totally. Mm -hmm. It's it's totally worth it. Yeah. So if you guys are not reading that book, you guys get it. It's buy back your time. We'll put it in the show notes. It's such a good book. It literally changed my life. Like I am a master delegator. Good. I love that. That's one of the big hurdles. So you're, (laughs) you're ahead of the game because that delegation, that letting go of control. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you have to be. So one of the things that you've said a couple of times is there's a difference between scaling and growing. So let's talk about that. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like people use that interchangeably. I want to grow my business. I want to scale my business. Yeah. And I feel like people use the word scaling and they haven't even scaled their own business yet. Right. (laughs) Like it's like like this fancy word that we use on the internet. It's like, you don't even scale your own business. So let's calm down. Yeah. So For me, I mean, I think everybody might have a slightly different definition, but for me, growing is what happens when you're, you're really focused on taking and amplifying whatever you're selling. So it's, it's a lot of, of front end revenue coming in, but it also is a lot of back end expenses raising. So it's like a photo finish where you're selling more, but you also need a bigger team to support and, and it's just this, this constant like revenues going up, but also your expenses are, are in that photo finish versus scaling is where you're doing more with the same amount or less in your operations and backend. So it's kind of the difference between a garden hose and a fire hose. <laughs> so growing your business, you might have, you know, great new months that are perpetually, you know, ticking up. But that also means that either you're going to be working more, the team's going to be working more, you're going to need that back end operational support versus scaling is you have a lot of the systems and frameworks set up, but now we're just fine tuning them. We're fine tuning them, making them more efficient, making them work better. And that way, it doesn't matter how much you turn on the spigot, your business can just grow until it reaches another point where you might have to up level and add another team member or do some stuff like that. Like, I'm not saying that scaling is you're never going to spend another dollar. That's not what I'm saying, but it's about how can I make $1 be $2 instead of I'm spending a dollar and making 50 cents kind of thing. Yeah. And I think kind of like what you said too, it's a different mindset, the person who's growing and a person that's scaling. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When do you feel like it's the right time for people to start bringing on team members? Because I know one of the things that you really talk about is how, when you bring on team members, you can really grow exponentially in your business. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast who are so afraid to bring on their first team member, to bring on their first OBM, to bring on their first set of VAs, to bring on their first ODD. Like, when is the right time to do it? And how do they do it? Mm. 
you said some trigger words. Um, Let's do it. Let's dive in. For me on my soapbox. So the answer is, I mean, you're not going to like this answer, but the answer is depends. But I can tell you that from what I've seen in my 12 years, two, two things tend to be most true. One, in terms of hiring, it has to be a mindset shift between I'm paying for this and my business is paying for this. So that requires, in my opinion, your business probably doing at least $10,000 or more per month. And I say 10,000, it's kind of an arbitrary number, but the reason I say that is because most people don't have $10,000 worth of expenses. So you want your business, if you are a lifestyle entrepreneur or, or whatever, if your business is your primary income, it has to pay yourself in a way that you can cover all of your bills. Because the very last thing that your business will be able to support is the stress of you trying to pay for someone you can't really afford. Yes. So that sucks. And nobody likes being the chief everything officer where you're doing all the things. Mm -hmm. But it's much better to be in a situation of maybe working a little bit more, but not having this like crushing feeling of desperation of trying to get the next clients you can pay the person that you hired. Yeah. I love that you said that. I mean, I share this a lot on the podcast. My team cost me about $8,500 a month. Mm-hmm. If my business was not generating what it does, I cannot imagine the stress and anxiety that would cause. Right. It would be like, it would literally keep me up at night. Yeah. A lot of people that come to me and they're like, oh, I want the team that you have, or I want the OBM, or I want CFO. I want these people. And I'm like, your business has to be generating X amount of dollars because I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if no. I could not afford that. Or if I was only making $9,000 a month, because I would have literally nothing left in my bank account. Exactly. Exactly. So that's not to say that you couldn't, you know, hire somebody for, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month to help you with things that could give you back time. And these are going to be surprising things. It could be meal prep. It could be somebody cleaning your house, but it might not be somebody in your business. So good. And I know that sounds weird, but the reason I say that is because the other part about knowing when to bring on a team is you have to have a consistent product and process. So if you're still figuring your stuff out and you're like having kind of really big yo-yo months, it's not the time to bring somebody on because you're going to be in that feast and famine kind of desperation again. So when you start to have those consistent months where you can look and you can know that the revenue is going to come in, that's the time to start thinking about who to bring in. Now, in terms of who you bring in, that's probably a whole nother podcast episode, but I'll give you- We'll bring you back for episode two. Okay, I'll bring you, I'll give you a few nuggets. So there's this really wonderful test that we, or assessment rather, that we use with our clients called Wealth Dynamics. And it sounds like it's about money. And I mean, it is, but essentially it merges all the great tests of the West, like Strength Finders, DISC, all of that with the Eastern philosophy of flow. And so this assessment- allows you to see what your natural tendencies are. You know, are you a ideal person? Are you a people person? Are you a timing person? Are you a how person? Anyway, so why I say that is because it's very important not to make this a mistake when you hire your first person. Don't hire somebody that is you. Hire somebody. Yeah. Hire somebody 
that has the strengths that you don't have. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you're going to just be the blind leading the blind. And chances are your business needs something that's not in your skill set to actually be scalable down the road. The second part of that, and this is huge, like listen in close, guys. Yeah, You guys take some notes right now. There is a very big difference between a player and a worker bee. And I talk about this a lot on my podcast and with my clients. And if you've never heard of this before slow this down to regular speed. So a player is somebody who is an expert who comes with a plan. Those are the people that will actually create time for you because you say, you know, my goal is to, I don't know, increase the lifetime value of our clients by three X. They'll say, okay, I'm going to go. These are the ways that I think we should do it. Which one do you want? Versus a worker bee. A worker bee are task-oriented people versus project-oriented people. And they really don't have the ingenuity or critical thinking to think outside whatever you assign to them. So good. The reason this is so important, if you have not hired somebody, is if- I've had, I've had some worker bees, so I get it. I know exactly where you're going. Yeah. With if you hire a worker bee as your first, second, third, hell, I'm going to say up to 10 people- you have now created two jobs for yourself because you're doing your list of projects, things, et cetera, as chief everything officer. And now lucky you, you get to create a task list every day of things for people to do, which is why I always get the frustration of why can't they just do what I need them to do or think of things to do? Why, why am I always having to tell them what to do? I just had, I just had this conversation. I'm like, I feel like I'm always doing the work and then giving people work to do or like uh-huh. double checking things. It's like, that's not taking work off of my plate. Exactly. It's adding to your plate. So worker bees, I love them. They are a necessity. 1000%. I'm not saying don't ever hire them, but this is what I am saying. If you have them in your organization, they have to be managed by a player. Mm-hmm. They cannot be managed by you, especially if you have a lean, small team, because you are going to just go down the rabbit hole of wasted time and wasted hours. And you're going to feel like you're wasting time and money on them. And here's the kicker. You are because they're just taking tasks off your list. They're not actually moving your business forward. They're not like forward thinkers in your business. Mm -mm. No. And they're not an example. So like my daughter works in my business. She makes all of my graphics. She's Mm -hmm. amazing. I love my daughter more than life itself. Obviously she's my daughter. She's a worker bee. I give her a task and she goes and does it. She yep. doesn't bring me like new innovative ideas. Mm-hmm. She doesn't bring me like, hey, mom, let's change all of this up because that's not her job and that's not her skill set. She's a task oriented person. So I have to literally create the task to give to McKenna to do it. So she's yeah. a very viable person in my business, but she's not the player. She's the the busy, right. the, the bee. Exactly. For example. Yep. That's a great example. Um, an example of a player. So um, Faith, who who is my ops person. So we were auditing all of our stuff. We have a whole vault that our, our clients get from 12 years of COO work. It's got job descriptions, squirt. It's got like a whole bunch of things. And she was organizing it. And she said, you know, I know you have the hiring made simple, which is a, a mini series that our, our clients get. She goes, I think actually you should have Four based on what's in here, you know, hiring made simple, 
onboarding made simple, like how to make them more successful in their first 90 days, teamwork made simple, like how to have a high performing team and then firing made simple. I was like, okay, we'll do it. But, you know, I didn't have time to think about this stuff that we already had and repurposing it in a way that makes sense. But that right there gives me time. She also created a revenue source. Like it's a very different feeling when you're working with a player. And then my last little soapbox I will say about hiring people is do not, I repeat, do not fall into the trap of it has to be a full-time person or it has to be a unicorn. Because I will tell you two very important things. One, most of my team is actually part-time because most businesses don't need a full-time person if you have players because players are much more effective. They're very good at time management. They get in, they get out. They don't really care to spend eight hours a day doing stuff. They want to get results. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, and this is why I said a few minutes ago that you said some trigger words, Mm -hmm. OBMs, Mm -hmm. bless them, but there are no unicorns. And even an OBM, which is like personally, I think a bit of a misnomer is not going to do everything in your business. You need to figure out the things that are actually going to move you forward and what you need, because that will get you 20 times farther hiring a part-time expert in those few things than an OBM who's touching everything and really not prioritizing what you need to prioritize. Because even if they say they're going to do all the things in your business, human nature, I mean, my degree's in cognitive neuroscience, human nature tells us they will prioritize the things that they are naturally gifted at. Let's go back to our wealth assessment, wealth dynamics assessment, and they will deprioritize the things that they're not. And that's why you get conflict with managers and teams saying, why didn't you do this? This was you know, urgent. And they're like, well, they'll never say this, but they subconsciously deprioritized it because they knew they were not the best person to do it or they were not an expert in it. So... I have a whole spiel about OBMs and unicorns, but that's, that's my little nugget for you. This was so good. Like I was literally just like screen recording a few things that you said, because this may have been one of my favorite podcasts. We don't do a ton on like teams. We don't do a ton on like hiring and firing, but this is literally something that I know that people honestly need so much on the podcast. So thank you so much. I tagged you in a lot of things. So I know people are going to like love you and be obsessed with you. Where can people find you and who is your ideal client to work with? Because I know you dropped a lot of nuggets and people are going to be like massively obsessed with you. Uh, Well, thank you. I'm so flattered. Like I said, I could talk about this for ages. So The best way, because I'm currently in your ears, is to pop over to the Biz Doctor podcast and listen in. I share a lot of very similar nuggets about all the things kind of related to business operations and teams over there. So feel free to subscribe and listen in. You can also find a lot of great resources on my website, goldenkeypartnership.com. I've got a great resource called The Scorecard, which we didn't talk about, but it's basically the GPS location for if you're going to make your first hire, this will make sure that you don't waste a lot of time and money. And if you have a team, it's going to help you get the most out of your team. But I'm on Instagram at it's Lauren Goldstein. I'm on LinkedIn. I am a, what do they call us? A elder millennial. So I can't say I'm the best at it, but I'm there. 
I'm working on getting more comfortable with reels and all the things. You know, uh, it, it's so funny. I talk about this a lot. Some of the, I, my best business partners, my best people that I've had on the podcast, I literally go to their Instagram and it's not very much or it's a low following. And I'm kind of shocked. Like I, like I literally tagged you during this podcast because I'm going to say this on the show. I literally went to her Instagram while I, while I was tagging her and I was like, Oh, like there's not much there. And her and her following's pretty low, but like you run a phenomenal business and you have a, you know, a, a phenomenal following. So it's like, that's also a great indication that Instagram is not everything. Mm. Your following doesn't always equate to the value of the business that you have. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I, I love that for a lot of people to see that as well, because that doesn't all, it's not always an indication of like, oh, big followers, big Instagram following is necessarily a great business. No, I mean, I've, I've made, you know, millions of dollars over the past 12 years. And it's, it's because I've, I've made relationships. Like most of my business has been referral based. Cause I started my business before really social media was what it is today. And I will say maybe my last nugget for anyone that's starting, I know it's hard, but don't compare your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. Cause we are all different. Like that wealth dynamics test. I told you there's eight different CEO profiles. And if you're trying to build a business, like a different profile and it's not working, it's because that's not your direct path. So, so stay focused, laser in not flashlight. And remember that what you see online is, is not necessarily the full story. So I love that. It's so good. You guys go over, follow Lauren, slide into her DMs, binge her podcast. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. It was such a great episode. Thank you so much. It was a blast. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Sales and Social Podcast. If today's episode has you fired up and you loved it, could you do me a huge favor and leave a review over on Apple Podcasts or take a screenshot and share it on social media and don't forget to tag your business bestie. And while you're there, connect with me on the gram at the Jillian Murphy. I'm on a mission to change the mindset of sales. I want people to love sales because the reality is sales is the foundation of everything you do. It's how your business generates revenue consistently. So show up and be unapologetic about selling because once you fall in love with selling, babe, sky's the limit. So I'll catch you on the next episode, but until then, feel free to slide into my DMs because I cannot wait to get to know you better.